Yeah, amen. Good morning. Man, I hope that you feel like I do, church, that it's good to be part of a church where, where things are happening, where God is moving, where people's lives are being changed. It's exciting to see that video, a road trip, just what God is believing God to, to touch young people um, in that, uh, that, that weekend. You know, there's something unique when students get to pull away from the regular um, rhythm of life and to go away together. I believe that many of them are going to have a, a, an authentic encounter with Jesus and with the Holy Spirit in a fresh way. So I hope you're praying for them as well. What Eric didn't mention, he, I don't think he gave you the answer, did he? What 800 means, 120, Eric, yeah, Eric, I'll clean up your mess here, okay? Um, but it's exciting because those three numbers represent how long it's been since we had a church service in the middle school for GT Kutztown. It's been 800 and whatever, 11 days since we've had a service. Now, we had a tent service for a little bit, but 800 days since we had a church service at our middle school in Kutztown. So we are so amped and excited for opening day, July 10th. I hope that you'll be praying with us and come out the week before for open house. It's going to be awesome. A um, couple of other updates real quick. Uh, last Sunday was Compassion Sunday. We had uh, Jonathan here from the Dominican Republic, and uh, this church stepped up. I'm excited to announce and let you know that together, uh, we partnered to sponsor 192 children from around the world. So that is really exciting. I, had a, I, I shared last week I had a faith goal, but man, I'm pumped for 192 kids. As Compassion would say, 192 kids will be, have been set free from the bondage of poverty because of your willingness to commit to, to donating and sponsoring on a monthly basis those children. So it is going to make an eternal impact in their life, in the life of their family, and the community. So thank you, church, for responding so well. One more quick thing. Uh, I'm excited also to let you know that we finally have a team on the mission field right now. <clears throat> Very exciting. Um, in the Dominican Republic, we have a team of seven people led by our missions pastor. There's a picture, um, Ritza Huertes. And so leave that picture up for a second. Uh, they left yesterday morning at 6 a.m. from the church here, and they are going to be doing ministry in the Dominican in Santo Domingo. Uh, they'll be doing some construction projects, some kids' ministries, some ministry to baseball teams, and some church services. So very exciting that after over two years, we now have a team on the field. There's other trips planned. Um, and I'm really excited for this one because the young man on the left there is my oldest son, Lucas. And so very cool. He looks like a giant, doesn't he? He is tall, but he's not like seven feet. He's 6'2". Uh, but he, he felt prompted by God on his own. We didn't push him or even encourage him. He told us, what do you think, Mom and Dad, about me going on a mission trip? We're like, well, you know our answer. Like, yes, go. And so um, he is there on his first ever mission trip. So just pray for them this week. They'll be there until Saturday. Do a ministry. I hope that you'll remember them in prayer and believe that God's going to touch them and use them in a mighty way to advance the kingdom uh, in the DR. So listen, I'm excited about this message today. Um, every so often we kind of just interrupt the, the, the rhythm of a series. And uh, I, I've done this intentionally to create space in the preaching calendar uh, throughout the year for me to share something that I feel God has just dropped in my heart. Now, that's not to say that the other preaching isn't from my heart, because it always is. I think that you, I hope that you sense that, that what I share on the stage always comes from my heart and from the Word of God. But there are times where I just, there's, there's like maybe a specific thing that God prompts me in my heart that's for the church family. And this is one of those messages today 
that I want to share. And I'm believing that God is going to shift something in your life. I've been praying for the last few weeks. This, this kind of this idea came to my mind a couple months ago in prayer in this room. This week and next week, both weeks are kind of connected in something I felt God wanting me to speak on. And I've been praying all week that, that you would experience maybe a shift in perspective today, uh, that God would give you a fresh revelation of himself today. And then I'm, I've, I've even been praying that for some of you, maybe you're in this room, maybe you're joining us online, man, we love you, we're so glad you're joining us. For some of you, I'm believing that God's going to whisper something directly to your spirit. And I want to talk with you today about the goodness of God. Uh, we sang for the last first 20 minutes of the service, we sang about the goodness of God. Eric talked about how good God is, and God is good, and he's faithful, and we sang about those things. But if we're all being honest, there are many times in our lives where the circumstances of our lives cause us to question God's goodness, or at least in the, 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 the immediate sense of time. You know, maybe big picture, we, as believers, as followers of Christ, we always have in our mind that, of course, God is good. He's creator. He's father. He loves us. He's faithful. But there are times where in the moments of life, the circumstances, the stuff of life, the burdens that we carry, that we are, th those things have the potential to, to challenge our belief in the goodness of God. And for good reason, right? Like many of you in this room are carrying some very heavy burdens. Burdens in your family, burdens in your, your occupation, in your finances, in your health. There are burdens that, that many people carry. You've, you've lost someone that you loved dearly in your life. And in those moments, we tend to be tempted to, to question, well, is God good? Like, if God was good, then why didn't? Or how come? And there's a million questions that we have in life. Jesus didn't paint this picture of life that we would be immune to adversity. You know that, right, church? Like, in fact, in Matthew chapter 5, Matthew records that Jesus said that the rain falls on the just and the unjust. That difficulty, adversity, um, the storms of life tend to find their way into all of our lives. And, um, and so I want to talk with us today about the goodness of God because I think that when turbulence comes in our life, all of us at times will have what I might call a framing challenge where we, we struggle with how to frame that with what I believe is true about God, how do I frame this situation in light of what I believe to be true or what I used to believe to be true about God? It's an interpretation problem. Not necessarily how we interpret the world, but how do we interpret the world around us in light of what we want to believe? And the world is in short, there's no short supply of difficult interpretive circumstances. I mentioned already how you and I personally struggle with adversity. But beyond that, there's the scope of what's happening across the landscape of our country and of the world, right? If you didn't notice, we live in a broken world, a world that is broken by sin primarily. You know that, right? Like the, the number one problem in the world is sin. It's the brokenness of humanity. And there's only one answer. His name is Jesus. And, but we look around the world, we say, well, man, like, if God was good, then 
fill in the blank, then he wouldn't have allowed, he wouldn't have permitted, he wouldn't have caused, he wouldn't have, and there could be an unlimited number of answers that you put into that blank. Are you with me, church, right? Like, we all, we all are at times tested and challenged with how we interpret the world around us and how we frame our beliefs. Because there are times, if we're honest, and I had times this week, you know what, most of you aren't preachers, but as a preacher, you're, it, it's almost impossible to turn it off. Eric would know what I mean. When you're writing a message, when you're thinking about messages, you just can't turn it off. Like, your brain is always on that. Even when you're involved in other things, your, your brain's always, like, on. And I took a couple phone calls this week, and as I'm preparing myself to talk about the goodness of God, I'm talking with people who are challenged with very difficult circumstances. And they might say, well, if God is good, then how come? Right? Like, if you're with me, say amen. amen. I want to talk about that today. I, I, good friends of mine, David and Paula Molteni, are here. We didn't know if David would be here today. Um, David had a heart attack on Wednesday. And I was talking to Paula, and I'm... Paul, my apologies, but this message was on my mind when I was talking to you on Wednesday. I'm like, how do I stand in front of a church and tell them that God is good when, again, fill in the blank. For every one of us, there are, are many things. My friend Ty comes every Sunday and, and worships God when he's got pain in his body. My own dad, you know, there's, there, there's unlimited examples, right? When this is the, if I could put it this way, again, I, I really prayed, like, God, help this to come out right today. If we could say it very bluntly, what do we do when God doesn't act the way we think he should act? What do we do when God doesn't do what we think he should have done or act the way we think he should be acting right now? How do I frame that or interpret that? If I give you a practical example, so this, this connects, I'll, I'll connect it in a second. So if somebody were to come and tell me that they were down at King of Prussia, a week ago, and they saw my wife there, and they were lying behind Kate at Neiman Marcus, and they, they were shocked to see that when Kate didn't get her way at the counter, she started screaming at the, the, the worker and even started cursing at them for not treating her well. If somebody were to convey that story to me, number one, I'd say stop gossiping, okay? Keep your gossip to yourself. But number two, I'd I would draw one of two conclusions and only one of two conclusions. There's not a list of like, well, here are the, all the possibilities of that story. Well, first of all, this is the, the indicator. My wife never shops at Neiman Marcus, okay? So I know that they have her, listen, here's number one. I know that they have her confused with someone else. They must have misseen her or misheard her, but they have her confused with someone else, and they're assigning to Kate a responsibility that doesn't belong to her. Or the other option is this, that there's some sort of misunderstanding or misinterpretation of the situation such that it led them to believe something that's not true about my wife. And here's why I have only one of two options. Because I know my wife. I know who she is. I know what she's like. I've been with Kate for over 22 years. I know precisely how she acts, and I know how she doesn't act. Therefore, I only have one of two options. Either you have her confused with someone else, or you've misinterpreted the situation. 
Church, I wonder how often we do that with God. How often do we confuse him with someone else and assign blame to God when it belongs on someone else? And how often do we misinterpret and misunderstand the hand of God in our lives? Or at the very least, we're challenged and tested to evaluate, how do I think on this? What should I think of God in light of X, Y, and Z? And I want to talk about that today. I'm going to start in Matthew chapter 13. And these are the words of Jesus, so that's a great place to start. How many know that? Um, Jesus had told a parable to the crowds. It's a parable of the sower. He talks about the sower that sows seed along different types of soil, and some of it produces a harvest, harvest, some of it does not. And then when he's separated from the crowd, he huddles with his 12 disciples, and he explains the parable. That's what I want to read for you today in Matthew 13. He said this, listen to what the parable means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. Remember I said sometimes we confuse God with someone else? There are times where we assign blame to God when it should be naturally assigned to the enemy of our soul. Jesus said, this seed is the seed that's sown along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root. Some of you are very new to the faith and we want to help you establish roots in Christ, roots in the word, so that you aren't tempted to question the goodness of God when it doesn't look like he's very good in your life. This is what Jesus is talking about. He said, but since they have no root, They last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. And I might add this, just as a side note, I wasn't planning to say this, but I think some of you are aware that at some point in our future, as the church of the living God, the temperature is going to be raised. If you're not watching the cultural landscape around us, the crosshairs are going to be increasingly focused on the church of Jesus Christ. And we're going to be called at some point, if we're not already, hateful, bigoted people. And when persecution comes, how will we respond, church? How will we we respond? Jesus said, those who have no root will quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life Raise your hand if you have worries in this life, right? Jesus is telling us that there are things in this life. Listen to me. This is very important that you hear this caveat. There are things in this life that have the potential to derail our faith. They're not automatically going to disrupt our faith in God, but they carry the potential to disrupt our trust in Jesus. And he said, when the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke out the word, making it unfruitful. But, he gives a final example, but the seed along the good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. Someone who hears the word, receives the word, and gets it. 
It's like, it's almost like when you, when, when you understand a spiritual truth, it's as if the Holy Spirit quickens it to your heart. And my prayer today is that God will quicken something to your heart today. That you'll hear something that you've never heard before, that the Holy Spirit will illuminate something that you've never quite grasped. And you'll walk out of this place with a perspective that's fresh and new in your life. He said, this is the one that produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. It is the will of God for every single one of us under the sound of my voice that we would live fruitful lives for the kingdom of God. And that your life being fruitful, bearing fruit for the kingdom would be multiplied 30, 60, or 100 times what was sown into your life. That's God's will for you, that you would be fruitful in your life. But there are things that want to derail that in our life. Let me say this. Listen, if you're listening, say amen. amen. When our understanding of God is anchored in biblical truth, when our faith in Christ is anchored in the immovable word of God, the, the immovable Jesus himself, when our faith is rooted and anchored in biblical truth, our circumstances pose no real threat to how we view God. If, you are, if your life, as we sang a moment ago, my life is built on a firm foundation. I am rooted in, and anchored in Jesus and his word. When my life is like that, my circumstances carry no real threat to how I view God. Why is that? Because my view has already been fixed. It's already been established because of the roots that have been built in my life based on the Word of God, the Son of God, the Spirit of God, and God the Father Himself. There are two ways, typically, that we assess the nature of God when trouble comes. Again, as I look around this room, as I survey some of you, I, I know what's happening in your lives. I know some of you, I just made eye contact with a young man who's been shot at. You know, like, when, when trouble comes... There's a couple ways that we can evaluate the nature of God and assess his character. One of those ways is that we interpret the word of God and God himself in light of our circumstances, meaning that our circumstances, listen to me, everybody looking at me? You looking at me? Give me one of these. Come on. Do this online. You're looking at me. One of the options is that we interpret God through the lens of our circumstances, and we let our circumstances inform and frame what we believe to be true about God. Friend, I, I want to tell you, that's the wrong way to view God. The other way, the right way, is to, to allow our view of God to inform how we should understand the circumstances in our lives. Let me say it this way. We don't interpret the Word of God or God Himself through the filter of our circumstances, we interpret our circumstances through the filter of God's word. And through the filter of what we have already learned and come to believe about God himself, just as I would do if somebody came with this ridiculous story about how my wife acted at Neiman Marcus. I'm not gonna base my, assess her character on something I know isn't true about her. Why do I know that's true? Because I know who she is. I've already established my opinion about Kate. Friend, the same is true about God. You and I, I, I'm calling us today, church, to varsity-level Christianity. I'm calling us to step out of the baby pool, and again, some of you are here for the first time. 
you're invited to, to step out of the, the shallow end and to walk into the deep end of knowing Christ, establishing what I believe to be true about God, and nothing in this life will shake my belief in the goodness and the faithfulness of God Almighty. If you're with me, say amen. amen. And that's what it, the call is today. God's capacity for good was revealed from the very beginning of time. From the creation account, if you read your Bible, Genesis chapter 1, every single day when God spoke the universe into existence, the, the creator, the maker of all things, spoke words and brought the universe and gave it birth. Every single day was crowned with the goodness of God. Every day when God stepped back from his creative activity, he said the first day, and it was good. God's goodness has been evident from the very beginning of time. In fact, the creation before sin was a perfect reflection of the nature of God in that it was good. God's goodness has been consistently revealed through all of time. In fact, here's a couple ways that the Word of God says it. I'm going to read these very quickly. In Nahum chapter 1, verse 7, the Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble. Some of you are in the day of trouble right now, and you need to look to God who is good because he is your stronghold in the day of trouble. Psalm 31, how great is your goodness, O God, which you have stored up for those who fear you. Psalm 34, O taste and see that the Lord is good. I, I released a video this week on social media, and I stood over in, in that little atrium area right by the door, and I, my prayer this week was that, when, and every week, when you cross the threshold into this room, that something supernatural will happen in your life. And sometimes it's obvious, sometimes it's subtle, and sometimes all you need is for God to whisper into your heart, it's going to be okay. For, for you to hear with the ears of your spirit, I've got this. I'm with you. I know where this goes, my child. And when you walk over the, the threshold of the door, my prayer is that something shifts in your perspective, that you will taste and see that the Lord is good. Psalm 86, for the Lord, you are good and ready to forgive. How many are grateful for God's forgiveness in this room? Come on, he is good. Psalm 107, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. Psalm 135, praise the Lord. For the Lord is good. Psalm 145, they shall eagerly utter the memory of your abundant goodness. It's not just some goodness. God has abundant goodness as revealed in his word. Psalm 145, 9, the Lord is good to all and his mercies are over all his works. Uh, Romans 8, we know that in, in all things God causes together to work for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. One of the reasons, again, that's some of them. If you want all of them, shoot me an email. I'll send you the whole list, the whole sermon. You can have it all. But one of the reasons that we falter in our confidence in the goodness of God is because we don't spend enough time in the Word of God. I, I, I routinely want to exhort you in this way. Please don't leave your house in the morning without being reminded of the goodness and faithfulness of God in your life. You cannot do it. Why? Because Jesus said that the rain falls on the just and the unjust. You are going to face difficulty. 
adversity, tribulation, persecution, hardship. Look at Paul, one of the greatest men of all time, faced all of that times 10. Your faith will be tested. What, it is, what is it built upon? What is your faith established on? Is it the word of God? Or are you allowing your faith to be tested and built on the circumstances of your life? Church, I'm calling us to a different place as a, as a family of believers. For a few moments, I just want to read all of Psalm 100, verses 1 through 5. And the Psalms, as, as usual, they're, they're declaring praise to God. But then at the end, it again affirms the goodness of God. Listen to what uh, the Psalm says. Many believe uh, this Psalm was written by Moses probably four to 5,000 years ago. Hear the words of Moses. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. That's what we did this morning. And let me just throw this in here. Some of you, you know, it's, it's very easy for me, it's very easy for many of you to stand in your seat, whether you're in the front row or the stadium. It's easy to come when everything's good and to wave our hands, to praise God. Yes, God, you're good. You're good all the time. And when everything's sunny and 70, it's easy to praise God. But some of you, right now, it's not sunny in 70. And you carry burdens in your life. And I, wanna, I want to encourage you today. If you are carrying heaviness in your life, there is a different level to your worship. In fact, the Bible says that when you worship through that pain, you are bringing a sacrifice of praise. It is, there are times where it is a sacrifice for you to praise the living God. And you're going to walk into this building one day and some, you're going to carry stuff and say, you know what, despite my circumstances, I will declare that, the God, is, that God is good and his love endures forever. The Bible says we bring a sacrifice of praise. He is talking to the person who's enduring adversity. It's no sacrifice when things are good for me to come and pray. It's full of joy. Like, yes, God, it's so good. It's, you lavish goodness on me. That's not a sacrifice. But church, when you are struggling, bring your sacrifice of praise. Honor God, not because all is good, but because he is good. It goes on to say this, verse 3. Know that the Lord, oh God, give somebody a revelation right now that they would know that they know that they know that the Lord is good. Just chew on that. Verse 3, know that the Lord is good. You get a, when, you get a, when you get a hold of this in your spirit, nothing will break its grip on you. I want you to just, we're not done, we're not done, but just ask the Lord to give you a revelation of his goodness right now. In your spirit, say, God, help me to know that you are good. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to the Lord and praise his name. Why do we do that? The psalmist thankfully answers that question. Verse 5, why do we praise God? For the Lord is good. And his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. How do we know that God is good? Because 
He is kind. His love endures forever. In fact, you know this, you do know this, but I'm going to remind you of it because that's why we come to church sometimes, just to be reminded of what we already believe. Even on your most sinful day, God's love for you has not been interrupted. There is no interrupting the love of God for you today, my friend. Why? Because he is good. A good God loves you on your worst day. He is faithful. He is kind. He is merciful. He is gracious. He gives us peace and joy in our lives. And a good God is a patient God. Can anybody say thank you for your patience in my life? Come on, somebody give testimony that God is patient with me. Here's the, if there's a bottom line today, this is it. God's goodness is a foundational truth, not a hypothesis awaiting further evaluation. God's goodness is a foundational truth, not a hypothesis awaiting further testing. The God of this universe and his nature is not subject to your circumstances. We're not, we're not waiting to determine whether or not God is good. He's already there. It's, it's in his nature to be good. That's where we start on our faith. But, but sometimes, and I want to I clarify this too, because there are times where we assess God based on his actions. But I'm, I'm, I'm giving you something beyond his actions. I'm not here today to tell you that God does good, even though he does. It's beyond God does good. I'm proclaiming to us today that he is good. Even evil, sinful people at times can do good things. And this isn't just about building a, a our life on a foundation that says that God does good things. Yes, he does, but beyond God does good, God is good. In fact, he is the very, he's the essence of goodness. And everything around our lives are just reflections of his goodness. His nature is at, at its core good, and when God does good, He's simply acting in perfect alignment with his nature. His actions and his goodness, they align always. But when we see it, when we perceive his goodness, it's because we've allowed them to align in our lives. You know, some of you sit here today, you, you've lost a spouse. Probably the hardest loss that you can endure is the loss of a spouse or a child. And I've seen it in this church. I've watched it for years. And it's not easy. And there are not always answers. And the hardest thing that you'll ever do after that loss is to say, you know what? Even in spite of this, I will proclaim that the Lord is good. In fact, Kim Geddes is, I think Kim's watching from online. She's one of our staff members here. She's a serve director. And she, she, we talked about this this week, this message. And as I was sharing what I wanted to share in a staff meeting, Kim's sitting there, and I know that four years ago she lost her husband, Mark, to cancer. 
And it's hard when I want to tell everybody how good God is and Kim's in the room and she's like, well, yeah, he's good, but fill in the blank, right? All of us can, am I right? Like nod if you're with me. Somebody nod if you're with me. All of us can say, yeah, God's good, but I just, I just want you to erase the but. Let's get rid of it. And Kim sent me this text message this morning. I was so grateful because it, it weighs on me because I know that I know some of the burdens that some of you right now in this room are carrying. And Kim said, I'm so excited to hear your message today, Scott. She said, God is good all the time. I'm like, yes, Kim, yes, yes, yes. Even though not always do my circumstances suggest that God is good. I will declare nonetheless that he is good. Why? Because his word says it. Because he reveals it. Because it's his very essence of his being that he is good. It's not waiting whether or not we can pass a verdict that, well, God, now that you've done these things for me, I can say that you're good. No. In spite of our circumstances, we declare that he is good. So, so what? So what? What does this mean? A couple things real quick, and then I want to make an invitation. Because God is good, this is what it means, that it, it inspires our devotion to him. I hope that every time you come into this building that you, you are freshly inspired to give God your full devotion and to live out Galatians 2.20. It says, I am crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. God's goodness should inspire our devotion to him. Obviously, it increases our love and it invites us to know him in a, in a deeper, more complete sense than we've ever known him before. And I want to invite you today, if you, if you don't yet know Jesus in this room, or if you are joining us online and you haven't yet crossed the line of faith to say, you know what, I do know Jesus. There's one more verse I want you to see. In Romans chapter 2, verse 4, Paul writes these words. He says, it is the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. Notice it doesn't say that it is God's shame and condemnation that guilts us into repentance. Paul said, it is the goodness, some versions say, the kindness of God leads you to repentance. The one thing that would make a person want to give their life to Jesus is when they look at God and they realize he is good and worthy of my devotion and worthy of my life. And the greatest example of the goodness of God the most accurate and perfect picture of the goodness of God we will ever have is found in Jesus Christ himself. The Bible tells us that Jesus Christ as the Son of God was the perfect reflection of God in his nature. In Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3 it says that Jesus is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. If you want to know the goodness of God, you need to look no further than look at Jesus Christ, who died on a cross as a payment for your sin and my sin, who rose up from the dead on the third day and has ascended to the right hand of God, who now sits at the right hand of the Father. Because he's good, he's interceding for you right now. Why? Because he is good and he loves you with an everlasting love. And so if you are here today, I, I just like to invite you, everybody bow your heads, close your eyes just for a minute, really quickly. 
If you are in this room, if you are online and you're listening right now, and you have never given your life to Jesus, you've never responded to the goodness of God and come to faith in Jesus, when I get to the number three, I'm going to count to three, I just want you to slip your hand up and say, Scott, that's me right now. On the number three, when I say three, I want you to slip your hand up and say, Scott, I want to respond to God's goodness and receive Jesus right now. One, two, three. Anybody at all? Thank you, young man. Anybody else in this room? Anybody at all? I want to respond to the goodness of God. I want to receive Jesus right now. Thank you up front. Anybody else? I see that hand. Anybody else? I'm going to respond to the goodness of God. I believe that Jesus died on a cross because he is good and paved the way for me to be forgiven. Slip your hand up right now. Online, you can click that, the, a link in the chat. You can click on it. Let us know that you made the, that decision. I'm going to pray with you right now. We're, everybody in this room is going to pray with you for those, the handful of people who raised your hand. We're going to pray a simple prayer. And all I'm doing is giving you words that, allow, that help you make a decision verbal from a transaction of the heart. And I want you to say these words after me. You're talking to God. You're not praying or talking to me or anybody in this room. It's just you and God. But we're going to pray together. We're going to say these words. And you're going to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Pray these words with me. Dear Jesus, I'm asking you right now to do what no one else can do. On this day, I respond to your goodness and receive you as the Lord of my life. I believe that you died on the cross as a payment for my sin and that you rose again to give me new life. Help me now to walk in that life. In your name I pray. Amen. Church, can we celebrate those who made that decision today? There's a bag that somebody might put in your hand. If they don't, you can grab this on the way out. Our, our, our ushers will have these. Um, there's some information in here for those who made that decision. There's a book that kind of answered the question, well, now what? What do I do now? I made this decision. I raised my hand at church, so what do I do now? Like, that, there's a book in here that will help answer that question. But the most important thing in here is this card. We would love the opportunity to follow up with you, to walk with you, to, to help you. Listen, this kind of full circle back to the words of Jesus. We want to help you establish roots in your life so that when the winds and the wave come, you don't fall away. We want to walk with you. So if you'll fill this card out, drop it off at the hub on your way out of the building today, and our team will be in contact with you. We'll help you get connected. We'll help you take steps. And we want to help you establish a root system so that someday in 50 years from now, you'll be part of the, the family of God and say, you know what? Whether the wind and the waves come, I stand on the solid rock of Jesus Christ and his word, and I declare that God is good. Will you do that for me? If you have this card, fill it out, drop it off at the, the hub. Uh, Dan and Brianna are on the stage. They're going to they're gonna do a song for us today. Some of it's going it's to feel a bit introspective and reflective. That's okay. If you want to sit and, and reflect, you want to stand and worship, whatever the Holy Spirit tells you to do. But they're going to they're gonna play this song right now called The Goodness of God.
fails me and all my days I've been held in your hands from the moment that I wake up until I lay my head oh I will see of the goodness of God and all my the goodness of God Your goodness is running after It's running after me Your goodness is running after It's running after me With my life laid down I'm surrendered now I give you everything Your goodness is running after it's running after me, yeah. Your goodness is running after. It's running after me. Your goodness is running after. It's running after me. With my life down, surrendered now, I give you everything. Cause your goodness is running after. It's running after. Go ahead and stand with me today, church. Go ahead and stand to your feet. Again, I, I hope that you heard the heart of this message. It wasn't at all to minimize some of the struggles that some of you are facing right now. I'm very well aware that there are burdens that many of you carry that are very heavy. And it, this was not meant to minimize the, 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 the weight of that. It's simply, though, to remind us to build our lives on what is certain. God is good. And when you, all the time and all the time, when we stand on that truth, I believe it helps to, to carry the weight of our circumstances. Some of you need a prayer partner today. If you, if you have a burden that you want to have somebody agree with you about, when I dismiss in prayer, you come this way. You walk to the front of this room. We've got team members that would love to pray with you and storm heaven on your behalf. And I'm going to, and if, if you don't need that kind of prayer, man, I want to pray with you today. Just pray that God would reveal himself to you, even before you leave this room, that you'll have 
something new in your life, that you'll have a fresh perspective that God would speak something to you, and that you'll sense that, indeed, God's goodness is running after you. But sometimes we just need eyes to see it. And so let's pray. God, today, I pray that you would continue to reveal yourself to us. Lord, there's no sense in my mind that that you would stop speaking when this service ends. That's ridiculous, God. You are ever-present and a help in time of need. You are present continuously in our lives by your spirits. And so I pray, God, today, even as we dismiss this time of worship and, and your word, Lord, I pray that you would continue to speak to your children. Continue to remind them daily of your goodness in their lives, even when it's hard for us to discern it. Help us to see with spirit eyes what our natural eyes don't discern. And I pray, God, that you would bless your people. I pray for answers to prayer in this room. I pray for healing in someone's body in this place. I pray for, pray for God for financial breakthroughs in this room. I pray for someone's back pain right now to be released in the name of Jesus. And I ask God that you would allow your goodness to be manifest in our lives in every imaginable way. Because as the psalmist says, you have abundant goodness. There's no short supply in heaven. So God, bless your people this day, I pray, in Jesus' name. And all God's people said amen Amen. and amen and amen. God bless you, church. I love you so much. I pray that you have an amazing day in the Lord. If you need prayer, man, we'd love to pray with you. Have an awesome day. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me.